0: Hey, this is Stacy with Clarity Unleashed if you have come looking for bumper music you will be sorely disappointed because I haven't figured that out yet so you just get me and tonight I am going to talk about a topic that is near and dear to my heart that um, came up comes up for me all the time it's kind of a soapbox issue uh, however it came up last night when I was at church it really started bubbling up and we it, had nothing to do really with what we were talking about at church. The message was a great one, and it was on Acts 15. It was about circumcision. And it was, um, it was about how Gentile men do not have to be circumcised in order to claim their salvation. And what happens in that text, if you want to take a look, is uh, obviously Jews were circumcised as part of their faith. And as um, when God opened up the, his church to Gentiles, uh, the Gentiles started finding him and finding their salvation. And when they did, um, in this particular passage, we see that the Jewish men tell them, you know, you're not really saved unless you're circumcised according to the law of Moses. And so we talked in church about how important it is to understand the culture and context when you're looking at the Bible, because this, this scripture was written in a particular time, in a particular place, to address very specific issues in the church. And this was a big one. Can you imagine if we didn't have that ironed out in scripture? It would be today that every single male who claims Christ as his Savior would have to be circumcised in order for it to be official. Um, so that, that would be, you know, something that we, we don't have to deal with today because it is spelled out in Scripture, and we do take the time to understand what salvation means. Salvation is something that has nothing to do, the leaders say at the time, they say, no, salvation has nothing to do with um, this physical mark on your body. It has everything to do with what's inside you've you've claimed your salvation it's what's inside you the spirits inside you doesn't matter what you look like externally so that was what we were talking about last night and as as it this message was going on and on i just kept feeling inside you know this is so similar to another passage that we have a lot of issue with as women so i'm not as concerned about circumcision as a woman however this passage in First Timothy chapter 2 does have a lot to do with me as a woman. And um, so I want to take a look at that since we're on this um, uncomfortable scripture tour here. I want to take a little look at um, 1 Timothy 2. So this says, and I'm looking at First Timothy 2. Starting in verse 9, it says, And the same way I want women to enhance their appearance with clothing that is modest and sensible, not with elaborate hairstyles, gold pearls, or expensive clothes. They should make themselves attractive by doing good, which is appropriate for women who claim to honor God. So I think, you know, similarly to the circumcision text, when we think about what salvation means, and it has nothing to do with, what you look like outside then this this makes sense it's very comparable doesn't really matter you know with the women are they dressed to the nines are they you know they just need to be modest and sensible it doesn't matter if they've got elaborate hairstyles gold pearls or expensive clothes they should make themselves attractive by doing good which is appropriate for women who claim to honor God so that makes a lot of sense it makes a lot of sense in Acts 15 for the men that this mark on their body doesn't matter it makes a lot of sense here. That what women wear uh, doesn't doesn't really make a difference. Um, it doesn't uh, signify their importance or their salvation. But that's probably not the most controversial piece of the passage. Let's keep going. A wife should learn quietly with complete submission. I don't allow a wife to teach or to control her husband. Instead, she should be a quiet listener. Adam was formed first and then Eve. Adam wasn't deceived, but rather his wife became the one who stepped over the line because she was completely deceived. But a wife will be brought safely through childbirth if they both continue in faith, love and holiness together with self-control. So that's a lot of information right there. And it's uh, these verses that have impacted women um, throughout the church in the U.S. and abroad and have um, determined, been used as determining factors for what women are and are not allowed to do in the service of the church. So that's why it's important to me. As a both a woman and a woman who has the spiritual gift of leadership and a drive to ministry leadership, this is something that I do struggle with because on the one hand I know what I'm called to do, and on the other hand I know what I'm permitted to do, and um, that's a that's a big stumbling block for me. So I want to I want to explain to you how uh, some of the information I have on the context and the culture here, so that you will be able to understand as i do what's really happening and one of the first things i want to point out is that the the um the tense used in this particular set of verses is singular so it's a wife and not all wives that word wife even can be um, translated to woman so it's either a wife or a woman it is not wives and women So let's just stop there and let that sink in a little bit. This is a set of verses that's addressing a particular woman in that church in Ephesus. So why would Paul go to the trouble of writing a letter? And I know that there's some controversy about whether he did or not, if this is really his letter or not, but let's just say yes. Why would he? Why would he go to the trouble of writing this? Well, similarly to what happened in Acts, he's correcting the gospel, he's correcting the message of the gospel. So what would be happening in Ephesus at this time that would make him need to do this? If you look at um, some links, and I'll provide some for you, in Ephesus was one of the seven wonders of the world. It was the largest temple to Artemis. This is a pagan cult to the goddess Artemis, and there were various things that were taught to women in this cult. It was a huge deal. It was the seventh wonder of the world, one of the seven wonders of the world. A lot of people traveled specifically to the city of Ephesus to worship. It was a a huge moneymaker, if not the biggest moneymaker for this town, for the city. So um, the culture was driven by Artemis' worship. Artemis was known to her followers as a savior. In particular, she saved women during childbirth. If women, uh, women at that time had um, a great deal more, they were more likely to die in childbirth. And uh, that was a huge, just like it is today, it's still a huge concern, safety of the mother and the child during childbirth. And it was then too, but the mortality rate was much higher. And women prayed to Artemis for for their salvation because she was a savior, is what she was referred to as. So they did pray to her to save them during childbirth. Additionally, the culture, the pagan culture at that time um, talked about the creation story in a whole different way than what we read in Genesis. The creation story as taught by this cult was that woman came first, not man. And that woman was not deceived, man was deceived. So you can tell it flips Genesis completely on its head. So why would Paul bother to say these things in his letter? It's because there is a a need within that church. There is a person, a woman, a wife, who is um, has you know potentially left that cult teaching and is now coming into this um, this Gentile church, and she is mixing up what the teaching is. So she is saying that um, the man did not come first and that the salvation offered is through Artemis during childbirth. So Paul's correcting her. He's saying, hey, um, yeah, Adam was formed first and then Eve. And he's saying, Christ brings the wife through childbirth if if the wife has the spirit so look at this in verse 15 if they both continue in faith love holiness together with self-control what does that sound like to you it sounds like the fruits of the spirit from galatians if these if these women are are indwell if the holy spirit is within them they're indwelled by the holy spirit then they will be brought safely through childbirth they they are saved regardless of their their childbirth so of course they're going to be saved if they're if if they've accepted Jesus Christ as their savior then that's going to carry them through they will still be saved no matter what happens in childbirth so you can see that he's correcting a bad teaching that is in that church specifically because it is centered in the same place as this Artemis cult. Makes complete sense. And um, let's go back to the submission. This particular passage you could talk a long time about. This verse, verse 11 and 12. Um, because there is a word used in, in this verse that is used only one time in scripture. And it's used plenty of times in other works of that time period. So that what that word means is, is known through uh, how it's used in other, um, in other works in that time period. So there, and I'll, I'll link some of these resources for you, but the first one's no shocker to me. A wife, a wife should learn quietly with complete submission. Okay, I I don't know about you, but learning requires submission, and learning has always required submission, and learning today in any classroom requires submission. It's not very often that you go into a classroom or into a sanctuary and sit, and you talk over the person who's teaching. You don't learn that way. So verse 11 means nothing more than, yes, a wife should learn quietly with complete submission. Okay, okay. I get it. That makes sense. Everyone has to learn quietly through complete submission. And if you Google or go into the interlinear or the uh, blue letter Bible and just Google or search on submission, you will find other texts within the, the Bible that talk about submission and how important it is regardless of whether you're a man or a woman. So this particular couple that's sitting in this church in Ephesus is, um, is problematic. And Paul is writing because he's heard about the influence that this Artemis cult is having through this couple and he's correcting them. And that is why it's singular in the tense because it's a specific person that he's talking about. So I just want to um, leave that there for you because it's, uh, it's a shocker for me that we um, read that so quickly without the context and the culture that we apply in other areas of Scripture. And yet this particular passage is one of just a handful that have been used in a way to silence women in the church. And clearly that's my soapbox issue, and I'm going to drop it right there and not go any further on that. Um, but this is a this is a text too that's really important in that regard so I encourage you to do some research on it and to think a little bit about that. When you think about Paul, we started out this podcast in Acts 15 when you think about when you think about Paul he he's very consistent in his teaching. in fact, After Acts 15, if you flip into Acts 16, then there's a beautiful passage about about Paul and how he's planning planning his travel to spread the gospel. He wants to go specific places, but the Holy Spirit redirects him. So in Acts 16.6, it actually says the Holy Spirit forbids them to go to Asia. And instead, gives Paul a vision of a man in Macedonia who says, come to Macedonia. So the Holy Spirit completely directs Paul's path. And Paul and those traveling with him um, end up in uh, Philippi. And it's Paul and um, Timothy's there as well as Silas, and they they go to Philippi, and they the the town is too small for a synagogue, so they are looking for the river and go on Sabbath to the river where they assume people will gather to uh, for for their services. So they go down to the river and and they don't find men and women; they just find a group of women assembled there. So Paul had he not believed in um, women learning, being saved and um, furthering the gospel he might not have walked right up to him them but that's what he did he walked right up to them and he taught them Lydia was in that group of women and she becomes the first European convert to Christianity right there on the spot it says in Acts 16-14 that the Lord opened her heart to, the, to respond to the things spoken by Paul. She is saved, and he baptizes her immediately, right there. He baptizes her, Acts 16, 15. She and her whole household were baptized, and Paul and Timothy and Silas go were on their way to go to her house to stay with them. Turns out they were imprisoned, and this is the passage about... Um, Paul and Silas in jail and, and what happens, and it's an amazing story. Um, but at the very end of Acts 16, when they are released from prison, they go back to the house of Lydia. And they, when they go to the house of Lydia, they see the brethren and they encourage them. Lydia starts a church. They've helped her establish the first European church. And she is the first European convert, and that's because the Holy Spirit directed Paul directly to her, and and he, he that's what he did. He helped her set up a church. So I find it very hard to believe that the same Paul that did this amazing work and set up Lydia here as 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 the um, as having the first house church in Europe that he would suddenly be against um, women teaching after all it's it's priscilla that he actually asks to go to ephesus and help teach in the first place um, and he he considers women he lists them in his and his writing he lists them and refers to them as fellow laborers in the gospel and um, that word submission comes up when he, when he tells the people in, in the churches that they need to submit to the teachers. And women are included in that. Um, and anyone that, that preaches and teaches the word of God, that the follower should submit to them and learn. Um, just like in Ephesus, they need to turn from their old ways and learn. Uh, what the gospel teaches so that they can be saved and that they can go and tell. So we went from circumcision to childbirth and all kinds of interesting places in between. I really do um, hope that you've enjoyed this podcast. I look forward to hearing what you think about it, particularly if you're a woman of any age who has any, any aspiration to teach Um, in the church and this has impacted you I would love to hear your story so please just reach out to me and I would love to hear what you have to say Um, there's a there's a need to talk about things like this because if we choose if we make the choice to read this particular text and context then it means that we may need to make some changes in churches today and that I know will be difficult because when you break out of, um, break out of, of you know, a place where women have not been permitted to teach more broadly than women's ministry or children's ministry, if you make the choice to, to make that change, that requires a lot of, of effort and work and thought and teaching. Um, but it requires truth as well, and truth sets us free. So I look forward to um, to getting your feedback on this podcast and and also just uh, furthering the discussion. So thank you very much for tuning in. I really appreciate your time and look forward to hearing from you